to start. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. And today I'm going to share with you some XR news for this week. And the first news is on CryptoNews.com. Um, the title is called How Augmented Reality Can Humanize the Metaverse. Okay, so in this news, it talks about uh, Metaverse and Web3, right? So what's the difference between Metaverse and Web3? Metaverse is more um, social aspects, right? You meet people, you kind of live there, right? Ready player one types of thinking. And Web3 is more focusing on technology, which is more blockchain, right? DAO, right? Decentralized autom uh, 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 yeah, it's like DAO, the DAO as a financial system, NFT, right? Uh, cryptocurrency, all those technology aspects. So Metaverse, Web3, somehow people kind of merge them and uh, now it's still ambiguous. So we are, you know, there are some people talk about Metaverse. There are some people talk about Web3 and AR is kind of like augmented reality that, you know, make all the data running in the real world, right? And you use phone or any other device to capture uh, that real world running data, right? So it's kind of like somewhere between um, the fiction or data uh, and also mingle with reality. So uh, according to this article, it talks about, yes, um, AR knowledge, for example, IKEA, right? In IKEA, that app, you can pretty much, you know, drag and drop the furniture and it will measure in real world uh, scales. Uh, so you can purchase things and put in your room before you purchase it. So you can start feeling about whether you like this furniture in your room or not. And you can take photos or take video to share with people to get second opinion. And uh, if you kind of follow some AR news, it seems like for some certain AR app, you can delete the furniture inside your existing home and you can redecorate it. So it's very, very powerful that you can reimagine your real world, right? So yeah, so this is something very interesting and AR can bring hum human-like user experience. Why? Because for example, Pokemon Go, imagine Pokemon Go if it is it exists in the computer screen, 2D screen. It's totally uh, a fictional stuff, right? If it, it exists in the VR headset, it's still, ver you know, recreate the world, right? But AR is kind of mingled with real world and uh, fiction stuff living in the real world. For example, you go out, go to the park and start catching, you know, some monsters, right? And get, you know, um, see how many footsteps you take, right? And see, monitor your health, right? So it's kind of, there's a purpose between kind of connecting you between the fictional world and the physical world. So, yeah. So I think in this news, it's really cool because we talk about metaverse, we talk about Web3 and AR is something in between that can connect us to this fictional world. So I think, yeah, so I think it makes sense. Any other thoughts, feel free to amuse yourself and yeah, share your thoughts. I think it's fabulous. And and with the um with LiDAR on on a lot of phones nowadays, um it really helps this process, makes it a lot easier. Yeah.
Any other thoughts? Feel free to unmute yourself. Cool, yeah. Let's move on to the next news. The next news is uh, Mezada Media and the title is called Microsoft's AR Glasses Give Soldiers Nausea and Headaches During Testing. I mean, the headset looks very cool. Looks like, you know, Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know, it's like very sci-fi look, but uh, just look at, just think that you need to wear this to go to Battlefield. I feel really heavy, very, um, yeah, not, not so comfortable. Yeah, anyway, so uh, in this news, it talks about uh, Microsoft. We know that they partner with uh, American military and create a lot of simulation games for um, in mixed reality uh, to train the soldiers before soldiers go to the war. And uh, one of my previous news mentioned that um, soldiers got trained uh, through, uh, you know, by so many games. Um, they are fully prepared and it it's kind of can reduce the training fee, right? For example, if you really want to uh, training the shooting skills or throwing bomb skills or strategy skills, you don't need to build entire battlefield and use the actual dy dynamite, right? You don't need to use like an ammo, real ammo, real gun. You use the simulation stuff and um, there will be some backend data and give you feedback. So this is kind of the training. If the the, the system implement well, it can save a lot of um, training and also cost of the fee for the real world view, right? Uh, so this is something that um, uh, military and uh, Microsoft is working on it. And besides, I remember one general in American military said that he wants every soldier to play 21, I forgot the real number, 21 mixed reality game or you know, 20 virtual games before going to the actual battle, battle zone. Why? Because he thinks that by uh, playing those simulation games, war simulation games, soldier can be better prepared and get less harm before they, um, you know, they go to battlefield. So I think in this um, this article, it really talks about a really good, um, you know, um, um, usage, right? So, um, yeah, people, you know, all the soldiers when they uh, start experiencing it, more than 80% of those who experience discomfort have syndrome that's them three, three hours after using a special version of Microsoft HoloLens Glass. Uh, I can tell you, I play a VR game. Um, I forgot the name, but it's a um, boxing game. Um, after I, I finished playing the game, I throw up. Why? Because, um, you know, the motion sickness. Whatever I see and whatever I feel is disconnected, right? Whatever in my brain, the balance and whatever I see, the horizontal line was offset. So that's why I throw up. Um, yeah, I think they probably has the same experience, which whatever simulate inside there has said, the, the horizontal feeling is different from their brain. 
physical body horizontal uh, line. So I think they cause um, um, you know some some discomfort. So yeah, so through this news, you can see that uh, Microsoft Hololens for military is not ready yet, right? Even though their budget is twenty one billion or you know uh, over next ten years on uh, AR glass, right? And I think those money is worth spending. Why? Because it's kind of safe life, right? Imagine people need to test out in the field or, you know, go to the real battle zone without proper training, right? Uh, and for those types of virtual system, it can be repeat and with a lower cost, right? So I think those money actually worth spending for military. Yeah, so, um, but people kind of reported um, they feel, you know, uh, discomfort, for example, like low light sensors display, um, you know, low display clarity and field view, low reliable, somewhat important functions. So, yeah, so it's still not there yet, but uh, I personally think that, and the majority of people feel discomfort. But I think this, once it's getting better improvement. And also I think the chips need to be smaller and faster so it can reduce the, I don't know, um, all the equipment, the, the, the weight for the equipment. Because you, when you see people wear this, it's pretty much wear a computer on their head. It's very heavy and it will cause a lot of heat, right? Heat generation and people don't feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, what if, you know, it's explore, right? The computer explore and your head will be, yeah, bump. So I think all the all the stuff need to be uh, finalized and get better. Yeah. Any other thoughts, comments for the news? Uh, I just want to comment a few things on this. One is that um, the U.S. Army working in VR and AR is a long time exercise that they've been doing this with HoloLens is fairly recent and they've been working with the University of Southern California's um, Institute for Creative Technologies for I definitely know more than a decade on a lot of this stuff so I look at this and go why is this news and it's also interesting in this article which is out of Bloomberg actually um, that Microsoft themselves don't even have a copy of these test results. So I tend to look at this and go, why is this in the press now, other than somebody is possibly pushing back on the investment. Um, you know, for most of us, as you were just saying, you know, three hours in headset with with other headsets, not necessarily um, my experience with the HoloLens is maybe an hour total. Um, you know, I feel nauseous with a whole bunch of things right now, as you were commenting. Um, I can't do epic roller coasters without having to go sit down for a half hour afterwards. Um, so it's sort of an interesting question about what this test was and how it compares to then other things that they've already been doing extensively with other brands. So I, I tend to be a little more cynical with an article like this as to why in the world it is getting news time now um, and then what the what the framing of it is so that's my, my cynical voice i do think a lot of things need to happen for all of us to use these devices for a longer period of time on a mundane side i've got um, prescription inserts in my devices and it makes you kind of wonder what adjustments and personalization also could do to be helping with time spent in in systems so. 
Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, go ahead. Three hours is a lot to ask from, from any of these systems. I think it's uh, three hours after they use it. Uh, yeah, let me see. Uh, more than 80% of those experience had syndrome less than three hours after uh, the spatial version. So they use it probably less than three hours, but uh, after you know, probably around three hours maximum. It's sort of a critical piece of information, I think. How long were they actually using it? If they were using it for three hours, oh my goodness. I mean, think about a battle. Do you think a 40 minutes battle makes sense or three hours battle or even more? I think a battle lasts a few months, right? Probably probably need to make that be, be part of your body, become a cyberman, right? Well, I think even without headsets, um, you know, if, if you've got some sort of like 3D visual environment or something like that, it can create. Oh, you, you mean projection? Projection made? Yeah, even a projection system. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if I go to a amusement park and go on the roller coasters, I'm going to get motion sickness pretty quickly and go out. I'm going to have to go out and lay down on the grass for a while. But um, so, you know, when you're just talking about things on the scale of hours, that's uh, to do that without getting sick is a lot to ask. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, how about, you know, uh, right now we have AR contact, contact, right? Uh, the module, I think module, but it's still in the kind of experimental part. What I'm worried is that you see like this super giant device, all the function can be squeezed to a transparent, very thin, very small, attached to your iris, like the contact. Um. Yeah, this is very scary because you can manipulate what other people see, right? So yeah, and I, yeah, go ahead. I have a question for Gigi. What, uh, what is the impact of AR over VR? Because I know you know you're losing a lot of when the world seems to be moving and your head is not actually moving. That creates a lot of problems. Uh, but in AR, you can sort of fix that to a certain extent. So with AR, do you get a significant reduction in these types of symptoms? Um, it depends on what you're, how you're moving your eyes back and forth between essentially what's perceived to be close up and perceived to be distance viewing. So you are having a lot of kind of adjustments. Um, I know that there's oftentimes longer wear times um, which I think of what I know that I can talk about, that um, people have been using AR for repair on submarines for quite a while, yeah. where they're essentially working for fairly long periods of time using it as kind of a mechanical assistance device while they're doing repairs, that there's been lots of folks already having very long test times with the industrial side of a lot of this stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, it is, though, the you have to be able to adjust to people's vision and you're essentially doing a lot of adjusting your eyes back and forth. Um, well, yeah. One of the things I've read is that uh, one problem with headsets is that you're, you have sort of a default distance that you're focusing at of about 19 feet. And um, when in the real world, your, your focus is constantly changing from you know, things are a couple feet in front of you 
to things in the, in, in, in the far distance and so forth. And this sort of artificial 19 foot thing is, is a lot, the source of a lot of psychovisual problems. And actually different systems have different implied distances. So um, I know that I've used other headsets that have kind of a different implied distance. I've got really crap and close up distance. So um, I've got progressive lenses in my Quest 2 and um, it really has made it an easier issue, but I'm extremely attentive to when I have to pull my vision in or not. And then where things fall, because with real life, you're adjusting your head. You're moving your head if you've got a crappy vision to be right. able to have whatever you're doing go in the sweet spot. So that's a whole other thing about where you're holding your head with even having adjustments. But yeah, it's it's a very large issue. Um, I mean, that and these devices are not light. And so having something on your head for long periods of time that adds to the weight on your neck also can impact your sort of physical and vision health um, in looking at this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So, I mean, I personally think all those devices are so cool, so sci-fi, but, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of things that we need to modify. Yeah, but... I do think this is the way because you see web 1.0, right? It's just single lines. Web 2.0 is graphics right now what we are using. Web 3.0 is to add Z-space and put the 3D object inside web. So, um, and right now we have a lot of really good computer vision and, you know, special computing and, you know, it's really powerful and it's ready to take out because you see that right now we have online multiple online game, right? Massive multiple online games. All those stuff pays a really good foundations for all the Web3 stuff, right? And cryptocurrency and blockchain, all those stuff is running force. I feel like all the technology is kind of there and people are trying to use all the technology and trying to build the future, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah, this is not perfect, but uh, um, yeah, still working on it. Okay. One other quick thing though that makes me th think of the a lot of the problems with things like this other than weight if you're out in battle, the dang battery life. So if you actually are needing a heads up display, a lot of it is really looking at not just form factor, but battery life and size of files because you're going to be dealing with you know people in uncertain terrains, territories and connectivity. So you're really mm -hmm. needing massively wonderful connectivity to make this stuff work um, and you really almost need to figure out what's your file size and what you're able to be providing um, and part of it there's so much else that they presently have in heads-up displays and bottlefront data that I just kind of wonder how this all fits into everything else that's already out there. Well we're talking about two applications one is the training only application and then there's the other thing where you have a real-time heads-up display in your helicopter or whatnot right yeah and i'm not sure in this one because um if it's just are you just having these assets for training or is it expecting that you're going to be building systems so that you're also going to be having these assets going with you out in the field i would think that in the field in operation 
the heads-up displays are not going to be strapped on your face so much like this. At least that's not the way that they are right now. Uh, so um, that you, when you think about it, if you're a pilot or something, you got something like this on your head. I don't know. That's that's a challenging thing, if, especially if it's so big. You got to look all over the place uh, when you're flying, and so I, I just can't see somebody. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't see somebody wearing one of these as a pilot when they're when they're in a battle. But it is an interesting question for other folks who are already using HoloLens for training, how they've dealt with these issues. Yeah. So HoloLens is being used in med schools for surgery, surgery training and other things. How are they dealing with the exact same issue? And it's sort of an interesting question about how much of that cross knowledge of already using the HoloLens for years in some of these areas, how much of that is connecting up with what's working with the military? Yeah. I think military is a very special um, category, which people need to actually physically do some violent stuff, right? Like shaking or doing things that physically, and I think surgery and learning, it's more like within, you know, you can stand, not really move a lot, but I feel like military, it requires a lot of, you know, action. Yeah, life or death. So, yeah. For, for for medical, it's more like life or death is on the passion. But for military, life or death is for yourself. So, yeah, I feel like military, if it requires more on-the-go system and really fast, um, you know, data trans, trans, uh, transmit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Cool. Okay, so next news. Next news is on Forbes. The title is called Brain Basics, Building Community in the Metaverse. So yeah, so um, we all know that Metaverse is more focusing on the social aspects of the um, special computing part, right? We put ourselves or we live in the web, right? And we have digital representation. Um, in this, Article, it talks about there are a lot of big brands such as Nike, Microsoft, Sony, Coca-Cola, Gucci, and Apple. They are building their stores inside like a metaverse, right? So for example, uh, they put like Roblox. Roblox, we all know that is targeting on kids around 13 years old. Now they are targeting on more older young adults or teenagers, right? But they are like in the previous news, they are trying to reduce the harassment and protect protecting kids, right? And Roblox, there are a lot of already existing customers or users which are targeting younger kids. And Warner Brothers, um, they host um, like musical events, which allows people to learn, uh, you know, a scavenger hunt, um, and also virtual dance class inside uh, Roblox, which I think is pretty cool if you see this one. Yeah, um, I pulled the, the news. Okay, so Roblox. Uh, so if you see, um, if you can see my screen, you can see a lot of people with lags. I personally think this is probably more like commercial ants because Roblox avatar is pretty much very Lego-like, right? They use block to 
to to create uh, avatars. So yeah, so pretty much they will have you see like dance class. People can learn things. I find out all those are really tied to real world events or real world or cultural storytelling and mingle with the virtual world, right? So virtual world is one aspect to 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 do a storytelling of the original concept, right? So I think all those are really good because you know before I I saw like for example Chipotle, they have uh taco events. For example, you can build your taco or burrito. Um and then you can put Oreo and all creative um, uh, materials or food. Uh, and within a certain amount of time, you, you create it and they will send you the exact, whatever you create in the virtual world and they will send to you. It's the real world, um, you know, partner with the hands-on experience in the virtual world in, I remember in Decentraland. So yeah, so all those interesting uh, cross-platform promotions really enhance uh, people's experience. And another example is Roblox partner with Gucci. Uh, they have gotten archetypes. So uh, I also go to that site and see, you see like all the artists, all, all the creators, right? They can pretty much do something that in this real world, you cannot do. Imagine this types of thing. How can you create this types of feeling, immersive feelings in real world? It must cost a lot. Just think about you know the wall you build in real world, right? It might take a few years or a few million dollars, few billion dollars just to build the experience. But in virtual world, you can pretty much build it within a month, right? hire a really good uh, 3D artist and reduce the texture texture uh, files so you can get a really nicely done uh, representation of the real world. And you can do a lot of things that you see, like you can put flowers floating in the air. In real world, it's almost impossible and against physics, right? So yeah, so I think those are really good. Yeah, imagine if you want to build something tailors to Gucci's style, it might cost a few million, few billion dollars. And imagine invite people and, you know, all those maintenance fee, right? But in virtual world, it definitely can save cost uh, and for people to experience it. So yeah, and luxury brands, they have blockchain-based NFT. The, the way that NFT works is similar. Like last week I talked about Disney. They are selling their, you know, Marvel, um, um, the, you know, those characters using NFT skills. Um, every time when there's a transaction between uh, different buyers, right, they got a certain percentage of uh, returns. So if you are selling NFT, you can definitely get a percentage cut once every time when there's a transaction. So Disney is going towards that mingle with you know, so-called metaverse or Web3 and par partner digital world and the uh, theme park and all the stories, right? They are mingled together and they are selling NFTs for, for profits. So I think this is a very interesting 
uh, concept and uh, the technology brings a new uh, business model. Uh, any thoughts, comments? I think one interesting thing is that when you're talking about selling real items in the real world, you have to have inventories. Uh, you have to worry about sell through. Um, you know, okay, you sh you shipped your your item to all the all these retail outlets, but uh, people didn't buy it, or they bought it and they returned it, and and stuff like that. You have to worry about a lot of that kind of stuff. But maybe you can get around a lot of that with NFTs. I don't know. Um, it seems like companies like Disney just have sort of a built-in goldmine when it comes to making use of content, uh, making use of augmented reality at their theme parks, um, you know, making use of NFTs based on, on the content that they own. Uh, it just seems like a very fertile ground for somebody like them uh, to make use of this kind of stuff. Plus, people pay a fortune to go to their theme parks. Um, when, you know, decades ago, uh, I used to take all my nephews and nieces when they would come out and visit. We'd take them to like Disneyland and, and all the parks and so forth. And um, it was an affordable thing. Now it's just it just costs an arm and a leg to do it we would never be able to do it now. So um, they have some assets that, that really demand a lot of pricing and um, they have so much content that they can repurpose for things like this. I think it's an interesting question about what you as a brand choose to do in which spaces, because you have folks like Disney who are, who, who are building a VIP program to go along with their work about what do they put in these spaces how do they show up and then how do you actually measure outcomes so gucci needs to be delivering a premium experience but also probably needs to keep updating it and keep being cool and fresh but if they weren't doing this they would not be seen as as within the, the scene um, but I would assume that they're not getting anywhere of a decent return on investment for any of these other than the visibility and being and articles like these. <laughs> Look, Gucci is doing this. I think some of the opportunity is can they build a relationship in platform that's different and additive? And then can you track the data and experience and have a VIP element to it for VIP products? But it does make me think a lot of the brands who early went into Second Life. You know, folks have been fabulously early to a lot of these platforms. And then they build something and you gotta keep building it and keep adding it to it. And then how does that hook onto your existing brand? And I think Disney and Gucci's examples, uh, you know, that this is something that they wanna be seen as cutting edge, but what can they do that is of, of ongoing value to their hyper fans? One question I have uh, is, you know, what should the timeline be for your return on investment on these things? I mean, is it a billboard so that you're trying to improve your relationship and awareness as a brand? Mm -hmm. um, then you're kind of going, well, how do I measure that? You know, is it how many people stop? Because some, some marketer is having to say how many people came by our Roblox thing and how did we tag that in? And then 
what do we know they did afterwards or how many impressions were on the articles about it. Um, usually for stuff like this, it's considered a brand engagement. So it's really looking at the portfolio of everything you're doing for the brand. And someone's going to say, okay, we spent $5 million or whatever on this. What do we get out of it? Somebody internally is having to say, here's the story. Um, and sometimes it, you know, it, I think the opportunity here is to not just be a brand engagement, to be having some kind of a premium engagement with super fans that then you can track them and say, okay, from that, this person now is part of our whatever Majigger club, or they then bought a $500 jacket, which is probably too little money. Um, and I think for some of these, it's going to be important to know that you're a VIP coming into these spaces so that you have a differential identity. I mean, Disney is getting ready to launch a whole VIP platform. They already do. There's Disney folks who, you know, not just having annual passes, but come to the annual um, D conference. I'm, I know I'm getting the name wrong, but it is D60. Oh, well, I've gone once and it was insane. Um, so you have hyper fans already who are spending a lot of money. Do you have a way that you could actually track how many of them engage so i do think the opportunities for differential data not just this is not just a brand engagement but i'll get off my marketing soapbox but but also what if you're developing technology metaverse what kind of return on investment timeline should you be looking at i i'm just getting the impression that companies have may have a long return on investment timeline and maybe that's a problem right now uh, with the technology development. What do you think about that? Well, I'm aware that several brands I really like run out of cash already in this space. Um, uh, I'm looking at a lot of what's being developed and I'm kind of going, so I'm, I'm building into alt space right now. I've been spending a lot of time in Unity building into alt space. And I look at this and I kind of go, How's anybody, this is all just costs going out the door. How does anybody really going to be having creators making money in the interim while they're expecting them to hang around in these spaces? Yeah. Um, it, there's got to be, I think, interim business models where, you know, creators are being paid to be then creating into it. But at some point in time, big brands won't want to participate unless someone's paying them to participate, they're getting something out of it. Right. Um, I, I think we're, we're back to what is our expected time and work life right now. And I, um, you know, Meta's losing money. Um, despite having a rumored 45% margin on the app store, you know, to be participating in a new business model at some point in time, people need to actually be, having a positive profit. And we do have, there has been a lots of information about certain games have come in and made a lot of money right now in the in the store, but who else is making money in this other than a, a big sucking sound? At some point in time, there's got to be a way that people can make an actual living off of this and not just buying games after they get a headset for Christmas. Uh, I think another interesting question is, these types of technologies tend to come in repeating waves. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen it many times with 3D technology, with virtual reality and so forth. And it's like you have a certain amount of time to sort of prove these technologies and do the marketing and get momentum built up. 
Um, and the question is, if you're building new technology for the metaverse, how much time do you have before we this wave has passed us by? Uh, how much time do you have to establish something to help produce some momentum so that all this stuff will stick around? Or will we just take too long and, and, and the wave will have passed us? I'd say one of the news for this week is Gartner's hype cycle for immersive technologies for 2022 came out and they've actually been wrestling with this for 25 years that they are looking at um, digital personas and all of this being having, um, you know, five to 10 year lives until they're built into the system. And they tend to say that you end up having some things that have a lot of hype have to get through the hype phase. And then the folks who still survive, it gets built into the system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of it is who's spending all the money up front here versus who's going to be hanging around when a lot of this is considered more normal. Yeah. Um, or do you have to have somebody big? I look at Niantic, right? That originally part of Google Alphabet and really needed to, to spin out to have relationships with more parties to now be making supposedly a fair chunk of change in launching a bunch of new programs as we now take the AR side of that with our phones more for granted. So I, there is there's a time where people flush lots of money up front and get a lot of investment and eventually things get more built in. But I'll, I'll put in our chat the hype cycle stuff, but that's um, they, I just sat through a presentation yesterday morning um, on their on their hype cycle and looking a lot of stuff that is on the metaverse that's in their hype cycle information. Very good, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so yeah, so um, before I think we were talking about the ROI, right? I think a Marvel Mission in Portugal, um, they create a location-based um, kind of escape room game part uh, and mingle with AR, VR, MR, um, you know, XR. So they have different rooms, for example, like Spider-Man room, form room you know all the super cool characters from their comics right so um yeah they build a kind of like a theme park however you know um students or young people usually are you know targeting on young adults and they they wear you know they team up together and using all the digital device and inside that little physical um, escape room and trying to figure out, trying to get out of the room or trying to solve uh, the mystery. And I personally like this types of game because I think I like something intellectual instead of just shooting, right? Because I play some, you know, Star Wars or some, you know, The Void before it was bankrupt or, you know, before it was gone. I I, I play some, uh, you know, um, VR location-based game it was very very good but you know I just have to shoot it's probably targeting a more uh, male player which is shooting game killing games um, but I think for some certain of you know if you want like a family more like family together or targeting a more you know um, um, other bigger audience I think those types of game my suit for the majority of the target audience because they can team up together and since there's no big violence right so it probably you know 
more fit for everyone and especially people who liked some uh, solving the problems and uh, make it entertaining because it part you, you see like Marvel, right? So um, yeah, so I think those types of location-based XR integration, I believe this can get some ROI instead of migrating everybody to so-called, I don't know, metaverse or some, you know, some crazy virtual world. I think this is kind of in between and people can accept for now, right? Yeah, any other thoughts? This. It's, it's sort of like those paintball places. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting and uh, yeah, very interesting. Okay, so that's the other news. I'm just going to add that it's not news. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's what's been going on for a while. I was just looking up, um, you know, some folks are having businesses where they're then licensing into spaces to be able to do this. I was thinking of Hologate, which putting in the chat on our site. And then, um, uh, you know, and you got, and also got distracted, Hollow Rides looking to do the same thing in cars. So looking at location-based entertainment and updating the most recent mm -hmm paintball phenomena you're expecting essentially you know a franchise business or entrepreneurs to put this stuff in their spaces and not big companies necessarily to fund it and there's a lot of interesting things that have been afoot for gosh i don't know in my knowledge five years and so so i i come back to the is this news um and then and why are we looking at this um I find it interesting that Tubit Circus, which has things like Hollow Ride in it, is a combination of an arcade and VR space in Los Angeles. And I think they just announced their second city that they're moving into Houston, I think, next. Um, so the fact that people get used to coming to these spaces for entertainment um, and it gets to be a, a, an interesting question about is this the gateway drug that people get used to VR? not by having their own headset, but walking in the door in somebody else's uh, equivalent of a paintball arcade with a group of their friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, location-based, um, it's not a new thing. And uh, definitely, I think um, the, the technology is there, right? Um, now, I think all the business is trying to, uh, you know, implement it and make it fun in esports, right? All those interesting um, um, integration and uh, from old to new, and uh, I I would say this is something that is yeah this looks very cool. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably around today's news. And thank you so much for everyone joining, and hopefully see you all uh, next week. Bye bye. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.